0: Today in the journey from Steve DeWitt. The Holy Spirit is the presence of God on earth. And yet, eight, we just crossed 8 billion people on earth this week I read. 8 billion people, most of whom, their lives hum along just, you know, the way they do here on earth, they are largely unaware of the presence of God throughout their day.
1: Welcome to The Journey with Steve DeWitt, Senior Pastor at Bethel Church in Northwest Indiana. We often use terms like spirit and glory in casual conversations, but there's a stark contrast between school spirit and the glory of our high school days and the Holy Spirit and the glory of God. Today on The Journey, Pastor Steve continues his series on the upper room with an introduction to the third member of the Godhead. It's a message titled, Meet the Spirit. You can listen online at thejourney.fm. Here's Pastor Steve.
0: Well, I grew up in Cedar Falls, Iowa, and I uh, attended Holmes Junior High School. And these were some of my glory days there at Holmes Junior High, Uh, especially when we had a big game that was uh, being played, especially if we were playing our crosstown rivals, Pete Junior High. We hated Pete Junior High. In our minds, they were evil. They were bent on world domination by sadistic means. They must be defeated for good to reign on earth. And that was our job at Holmes Junior High. And one of the things that we would do, and I'm not even sure if schools still do this, but we would have, especially when we were playing Pete, we would have a a big pep rally. Do they still do pep rallies, young people? Yeah, okay. Just people nodding their heads, with gray hair. Strangely, <laughs> uh, but uh, we would have a pep rally, and at the pep rally, uh, the there would be cheerleaders who would get the rabble going, and uh, we would, you know, be led in cheers. Some of these cheers were chants, which by eighth grade we all knew by heart and would scream at the top of our lungs and one of our favorites was a contest actually between two sides of the gym and the one side of the gym would say we got spirit yes we do we got spirit how about you and then the other side would take it as a challenge and say no we got spirit yes we do we got spirit how about you And then the other side would need to say it louder than the first side did. And this was sort of this uh, increasing volume contest until one side would break out in, we got the most, we got the most. And everyone would join in and, and, uh, you know, the principal would get on the mic and urge everyone to attend the big important game. A teacher would get a pie in the face, uh, you know, The students were happy to be there for no other reason to get out of class, to go to pep rally. These were great moments in my life. And yet what would happen all too often would be the evil forces of Pete Junior High would overwhelm the forces of good at Holmes Junior High, and the wicked would reign until basketball season when we had another chance to take them out. Sound familiar to anybody here? I don't know if this is a shared experience that uh, maybe you had growing up even maybe the chant in the cheer regarding spirit. And we talk about spirit, we often talk about team spirit, school spirit. We might even describe somebody as a free spirit. And what we mean by the term spirit is typically something about uh, enthusiasm or attitude. We might even use it religiously to describe an inward longing. I have this spiritual longing for something that is not satisfied. We might describe ourselves as spiritual beings. We mean by that the immaterial aspect to who we are. We were more than just bodies. And so we we use the term spirit in many different ways, and oftentimes it's kind of vague. And it is subjective, and it is often impersonal. Today, Jesus, from the upper room, introduces us to a spiritual person whose name is the Holy Spirit. And I would like for all of us to please dismiss out of our minds any sort of junior high understanding of spirit. We are talking today about the divine Holy Spirit, If there is a member of the Godhead that Protestant evangelical Christians overlook or maybe are even somehow unaware and certainly under worship, it is the third member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And this is a, uh, a theological tragedy. It is a gospel tragedy because were it not for the holy spirit my dear friends we would all be going to hell we need the work of the holy spirit and the bible says that the holy spirit indwells every christian and you know kids try to understand how can god have an apartment in my heart i don't understand it and as you get older you realize it's not that sense of it but what it does mean is that The presence of God, God, that it is God in us, that the Holy Spirit is with us every day, all the time. Imagine having a person with you every moment and you are unaware of it. Don't even think about it. I think our, our understanding of the Holy Spirit would take a massive step forward if we all collectively realize that when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, we are talking about a person. Okay? He he is not a, a force like Buddhism or Star Wars. He is a he. He is not an it. He is a person with a personality, and he relates to us personally. He is a being, and a very important one at that, as the third member of the Holy Trinity. And so today, what I hope to do is to bring every single Christian, here and online, into an increased awareness of the Holy Spirit, and hopefully, an increased worship and appreciation of him this week. The Holy Spirit is a major theme in the upper room. In fact, in some ways you could argue he is the theme of the the upper room because most of the upper room is Jesus trying to convince the disciples that it's okay that he's going to leave because somebody else is coming. And that somebody is the Holy Spirit. And that coming is Jesus' number one comfort to the disciples. And with that said, let's get into our text today. We're in John 14. I'm going to begin reading in verse 15, and we're going to actually take two different sections in the chapter. 14, verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. We can stop right there and go, wow, I must not love Jesus then, because on my own, I'm not very good at keeping those commandments. Well, now he explains. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another Helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now look at verse 25, a few verses later. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, Whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. All right, today I have seven things that the text here teaches us about the Holy Spirit. Each of these, I hope, inclines your heart to greater appreciation and worship of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to just walk through the seven. Here's the first one Jesus says, that he was sent by God, the Father, this is the Holy Spirit, at the prayer request of Jesus. Look again, verse 14. And I will ask the Father. There you have it. I, Jesus, will ask God, the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Now here we have a glimpse into the inner Trinitarian communication. Those are some big words, I know. But as we think about the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, do you realize they talk to each other? Okay, They communicate with one another. And Jesus here says that he is going to talk to God the Father and request that he send to earth, and specifically to the disciples and the church, the Holy Spirit. He prays to the Father that God would do that. We could spend some time talking about the intercessory work of Jesus. By the way, did you know that right now he is praying to the Father for you? Jesus intercedes For us, an amazing truth, but we're talking about the Holy Spirit here today, so I'm moving on, okay? He says here, I will pray that the Father will send another helper to you. So, Jesus ascends to heaven. He says to the Father, please send the Holy Spirit. The Father sends the Spirit. The Spirit comes. Now, who sent Jesus? This is not a trick question. Who sent Jesus? God the Father sent Jesus. Who sent the Holy Spirit? God the Father sent the Holy Spirit. All of these, both of these, come from the Father. James 1, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father. And the two best gifts that we have ever gotten was the first gift that the Father gave to us, which was Jesus. And the second gift which the Father gave to us, which was the Holy Spirit. Now, here we are, I happen to be preaching this text in a time where if you go to the store and you go to, you know, around, you be, we're beginning to see decorations going up as we are, our society begins to celebrate the Father sending Jesus, Christmas. Some of you probably are early Christmas decorators. You know who you are. I happen to live with an early Christmas decorator. When I was single, I didn't decorate at all. Like, I had one Charlie Brown Christmas tree. It was about this tall, and I put it in the window on a stand to make it look big in the, you know, people driving by. He is a pastor, after all. He should be celebrating Christmas. I would have that one tree. That's all that I did. Jennifer, though, this is now an occasion for early Christmas celebration, so our tree's up, and it's all doing its thing. I read somebody, they, they suggested that the early winter that we are now blessed to be experiencing uh, is actually caused by early Christmas decorators. <laughs> I have no verse to support that at all in the Bible. It's just a theory. But when you think about how Christmas and the songs and the celebrating and think of what probably you and your family are, you know, you've been planning Christmas, working on Christmas, thinking about Christmas. My girl's been thinking about it for like 10 months already, you know, the Christmas list. Christmas, Jesus came, the Father sent him. Okay, now, what do you do to celebrate the Father sending the Holy Spirit in your home? And I'm gonna guess the answer is nothing. Nothing. There isn't one sparkly anything going up in your house. And I'm gonna guess many of us don't even think about it. And yet, the Father sent the Son, we call it Christmas. The Father sent the Spirit, we call it the day of Pentecost. Jesus gets all the attention. The Holy Spirit's coming gets nearly nothing at all. Now, I'm not saying this because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm saying we should have a holiday, but the Bible doesn't even tell us to celebrate the coming of Jesus, which is sacrilegious to say right now, I'm for Christmas, don't get me wrong. But the Bible doesn't say it's sort of a hallmark Christian holiday. There's no verse for it. But if we're going to celebrate the one, we probably should celebrate the other, don't you think? If we view the Holy Spirit as being important, his coming, one of the great gifts of our life. And it kind of gets a bit of the point that I'm making today, which is that the third person of the Trinity all too often is the unknown and the unconsidered gift from the Father, there's a book out a popular book written on the Holy Spirit the title is Forgotten God. And I think that's actually to my eye fairly true. We all the songs about Jesus rightly so, right? I speak Jesus. We sang that today. But we should also speak Holy Spirit. And in fact, Jesus is going to say it's better to have the Holy Spirit than to have me. Now, we'll get into that. Okay, we'll get into that. That'll just blow your mind right there. Without the presence of the Holy Spirit, you realize Jesus could die for your sins every single day, and you're still going to hell because there is no way for his death to be applied to you or for you to spiritually have faith in it anyway. All of that is the Holy Spirit's work. And so, any genuine Christian who gets that is going to be like, I am super thankful for the Holy Spirit. And that's where I'm hoping our hearts go as we talk. Number two, the Holy Spirit is our helper. Okay? Is our helper. Verse 16 again, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Now if you're a smarty pants or if you've been around church very long some of you right now are whispering you know to your to your person next to you your spouse or whoever going you're saying paraclete it's the word paraclete and you're right it's the greek word paraclete and there's a few wor- you know koinea there's a few greek words agape that if you just go to church for a long time you kind of pick up a few greek words paraclete's probably one of them and that is the greek word that we have here that is translated in the ESV helper okay helper and in spite of the fact that we kind of know this greek word or many people do it is actually a very difficult one nearly impossible to translate esv goes with helper there's other examples of this technically the etymology okay etymology is just like the word itself para is alongside cleat is to call and so it is the one who is called alongside okay and so it has the word can mean it's got a huge range of meaning to it. Encouragement, helper, somebody to bless you, et cetera. And the problem is that it's so wide, they don't know how to translate it. In fact, I read that many scholars, they just, you know, they just say, let's just not translate it and just say paraclete. Okay. ESV goes with helper. But this is some of the challenges in in Bible translation where a word has what it means, etymology, but it doesn't necessarily tell us what it means broadly. So, for example, my name is Steve or Stephen. That means crowned one. So a thousand years from now, they could, you know, archaeologically dig this location. They found oh, there was a guy named Steve that led. He must have worn a crown. And I do occasionally, actually, at Burger King with my daughters. But that's about it, okay? So... As an example of how this isn't necessarily super easy to to figure out, but I do think that broadly speaking, Jesus is saying there's somebody who's coming here and they are coming to assist you. They are coming to help you. And his coming is going to be a blessing to you. It is going to be a good thing. And as I said earlier, later on here, he is gonna tell the disciples, it is good that I leave you, because then the Holy Spirit can come to you. Jesus is saying, it's better for you to have the Holy Spirit than to have me. Now, I wonder how many of us, if we, could, if we had a choice on a given day, you can either spend the day with Jesus, or you can spend the day with the Holy Spirit, would say, I want to spend the day with the Holy Spirit. Because we spend every day with the Holy Spirit. Now, personally, I'd love to spend the day with both of them, and that's where my vote would go. But you see that Jesus has a very high view of the Holy Spirit and what it means for the Holy Spirit to come and to dwell within his people. Helper. Number three, notice that it says another helper. See the text? And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Helper to be with you forever. How about just a little bit more Greek? Can I do that just for a moment? I don't do this a lot, but it helps right here. A little bit more Greek here. In the Greek, there are two different ways to say another. There's the kind of another that is another of a different kind, and there is a different kind of another that is another of the same kind. So, for example, when my girls were little, we would feed them baby food. And if we fed them peas, mashed peas, which to this day I can smell it in my nostrils, they would do this, you know. They, no, I don't, I don't want any. But if we fed them something sweet, even, even young, they knew the word more. More. And what they mean by that is not, I want more to eat just baby food generally, maybe peas. What, he, what they meant is, I want more of the same kind of sweet stuff. Another like the one before. And that is what this another means here. It is not somebody totally different. It is another helper like the one you already have. Which leads to the question, who is the one that they already have? And the third grade study school class would all answer Jesus, right? And that is the right answer. The fact that Jesus is also a paraclete. In fact, John writes 1 John, the letters of John, and in 1 John, he uses the same word, and he applies it to Jesus himself. So Jesus is also a paraclete, and he is the first one. The Holy Spirit is the second He is very much the same as the first one, and we should be thankful that he is. Number four, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. Verse 16 again, we're just ringing this verse out for all we can. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit, notice, of truth. So one of the qualities of the Holy Spirit is that he is... Remember, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He just said that a few verses before, that Jesus is the truth. But here we come to find out that the Holy Spirit is also the spirit of truth. And we know this is because God is a God of truth. So every we say the Father of truth, the Son of truth, the Spirit of truth. They are the truth. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, one of the unique things that the Holy Spirit does is the illuminating... It's called the illuminating work of the Holy Spirit. And that's a, one of the easiest theological terms because it really tells you what it what he does. He, when it comes to truth, he turns the light on in our hearts. He helps us to understand, to comprehend. I hope right now, even as I'm talking, that the Holy Spirit is taking the blah, 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 blah of that I'm saying and somehow in your heart is doing a work for you to apprehend what is divine revelation, and to apply it to your life. It is the illuminating work of the Holy Spirit. He is the Spirit of truth.
1: You're listening to The Journey with Steve DeWitt and the first part of a message titled, Meet the Spirit. We're just getting started in our series called The Upper Room. But if you're just tuning in, remember, you can always access every message in this series online at thejourney.fm. On our website, you'll also find Bible studies and other helpful resources designed to help you grow and thrive in your walk of faith. Well, I just want to take a moment to thank our listeners and our faithful monthly supporters who give generously to help keep the journey on the air. Because of friends like you, we're able to share God's word with listeners around the country through the radio and the internet, helping people meet God wherever they're at in their own life's journey. And when you give a generous gift today, Whether it's a one-time or monthly, you'll help ensure that the clear biblical teaching on The Journey continues to reach listeners throughout 2024. So would you give us a call today? Just call 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763. Or make a donation online at thejourney.fm. As a thank you for your generous gift, we'd like to send you a book titled Decision Making and the Will of God. In this expanded 25th anniversary edition of this highly acclaimed work, author Gary Friesen examines the prevalent view on God's will today, and then provides a sound biblical alternative to the traditional teaching of how God guides us. This new edition includes a study guide for small groups, insightful answers to frequently asked questions, and a guide to painless scripture memorization. But today's the last day we're offering this resource, so call right now. The number is 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763. Or you can visit thejourney.fm. Well, that's all our time for today. I'm your host, Tim Svoboda. Be sure to come back tomorrow when Pastor Steve continues the message titled, Meet the Spirit. It's a conclusion you won't want to miss. Thursday on The Journey. Today's program was produced and furnished by Bethel Church in Crown Point, Indiana.